Welcome to the big interview at the Euros. My name is Martin Gregg and we are joined by the host of the big interview, Graham Hunter. Graham, Spain love a pre-tournament crisis. I remember three years ago in Russia where they sacked their manager, Julian Lopetegui, just before the tournament. This time they face problems of a different kind. For the uninitiated, can you just bring us up to speed on the latest havoc that's been wreaked by COVID-19 on the, the Spanish national team? Well, it's a continuation of another drama Martin, because although Sergio Ramos has had a very difficult 2021, I think it was a wide expectation that his momentum as as a force of nature over the years with Spain, and given the fact that in planning for Euro 2020 last year, Luis Enrique was just a gigantic fan of Sergio Ramos. It's a general perception that probably he was going to make it into the squad, and of course he's the captain, he's their... He's the guy in red who's won the most games. In fact, I think he's the, he's the international footballer who's won the most games ever in the history of the sport. And um, he got left out. And that caused Fiorori, Luis Enrique's exact quote was, look, it's Sergio Ramos. If I play him, there's a row. If I don't play him, there's a row. If I bring him, there's a row. If I don't bring him, there's a row. I've got my reasons. Kabosh. And it meant that for the first time ever, Sergio Busquets was going to go into a tournament as Spain captain, one of the uh, veterans of the World Cup win. In fact, now without Ramos, I think he's the only World Cup winner still in the squad. Uh, That might change. We'll come on to Raul Albiol in a minute. But uh, I spoke to, I interviewed Busquets um, via Zoom when he was in the training camp uh, with Spain. And it was patently clear that you can ignore any of this idea that because he's a Catalan from Barcelona, it wasn't that big a deal. He was he was full of beans, looking forward to being a good elder statesman, a good leader. And then Sunday night, it's it's made clear, it's announced that he's tested positive in a routine test across the squad for COVID. It's followed by um, a real lockdown, a real clampdown idea in the Spain camp whereby... Everybody was then immediately tested again when the Busquets news was released. It was released along with a rider that nobody else in the squad on a second round of Sunday testing had been positive. There was... Uh, protocols came into play immediately whereby players eat alone, not even in groups of small groups of two or three. They eat individually. They initially were training completely on their own, completely individualised training. And the solution um, for the second friendly, uh, them having drawn 0-0 in, in quite a good performance against the European champions, uh, Portugal, in the Metropolitan Stadium just before the weekend. Um, the second game was against Lithuania. And the solution that was decided was that Luis de la Fuente, who's the under-21 coach, should take the remnants of his squad, some of whom had to be called back from holiday, which they'd legitimately gone off on after a really long, tough season in the conditions that everybody knows about. Um, And they were called back and the majority of them were available and they went out in uh, Leganes' stadium, Butarque, just on the outskirts of Madrid on, I think, Tuesday night it was. This is, we're recording this just coming into Friday. And... The result was that the under-21s played absolutely sparkling football, thrashed a senior side, Lithuania, 4-0. 
it counts as caps because Spain properly negotiated with FIFA that this wasn't an under-21 side. This was a Spain side. So it's the record of new caps uh, for Spain, maybe across the world, I don't know, but 16 new caps um, in the one match. It's never happened before for Spain. A proud day for the youngsters, a proud day for De La Fuente. And there were phrases that were, how would you call it, open to interpretation, where Luis De La Fuente asked, look, if Luis Enrique were to, to get ill, could you... St-? And Luis De La Fuente handled it. We're all ready for all eventualities, which is a very... Yes, Minister, British civil service phrase that catches all and covers it nicely without in any way going, well, gosh, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to manage Spain in the Euros. And the still more unfortunate news was that late on, well, in the early hours of Wednesday morning, the Leeds defender, Diego Llorente, also uh, tested positive. So he and Busquets are now at home. The rest of the squad are in Las Rosas, again, just outside uh, Madrid, on the other side to Leganes. Um, it's out where Atleti train Maja de Honda, very near to there. And the, what you've got is the all of Luis Enrique's staff, the 22 remaining players of the senior squad, plus a huge group, Martin, of both under-21 players and a handful of others who have been called in, just to help, for the moment at least, to help with the training situation. I mean, we, we were talking about beforehand about the, the kind of practical implications of this kind of disruption. Now, I think we all know by this stage that players are pretty used to training in bubbles, and I think even, even some clubs, they won't even shower at the training ground, they'll just go directly home and shower there, and, you know, they're used to all these kind of unorthodox setups now after, you know, nine months or, or a year of this, but I wonder what the implications are for for a, for a national team where Enrique's probably looking at this training plan and he's saying, right, I've got a dozen training sessions or something to get my strategy right, to get my shape right, to get my message across to the players, and then he just has to rip it up and start again. It's all go, it's all goes out the window. What do you think are the 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 practical implications on on Spain kicking off uh, against Sweden on Sunday for for the type of preparation that they've had or not had? Yeah, listen, you're right. The the kick off you're talking about is the fact that they'll be down in Seville preparing training in the stadium they hope in La Cartuja for the Monday night game. That's when the real the real preparations do need to kick in and cohesiveness about the game plan needs to take a different shape than it is at the moment. You're right. Um, so there needs to be an element of conjecture because it, it, in all the all that we've been through, Spain as a national team haven't trained this way. So... You know, your point before we came on air about the idea that at a club level it might be easier to train individually, which is exactly what happened, just to break it down. When Spain began to go back to the training pitches at Las Rosas, it, it was, they, they literally were training individually. So it was about, you know, speed and resistance and individual shooting drills and so on. It, it literally was in in ones. That's changing a little bit in the as of today, with so many more negative tests, they can begin to train in very, very small groups. But you're right, they don't all change together. They obviously split the, the way in which the, the squad is distributed across the changing rooms and the showers. Um, the, the hotel is on the site. You, you've been there, Martin. It's a 
it's a giant land area with a vast array of pitches. Um, it's uh, got a very, very nice hotel there. It's got several gyms. So splitting the squad up into functional groups is not a huge problem, but what you're hinting at is how, how does it affect them? And they've got two bubbles in operation. So the, the, the bubble which uh, where there can be I think a different kind of training would be the one that I'm, I'm, I'll, just, I'll go through them so that people know. So that the, the Spain squad is the, the 24 that were listed minus Durante and poor old Sergio Busquets. The other bubble, which is completely separate and ha there's been no intermingling so far, uh, comprises the senior players, Kepa, ex-athletic, now of Chelsea, Raul Albiol, who, if he joined the senior squad, which is a possibility, would add one more um, World Cup winner to the squad. Uh, Pablo Fornals, Villarreal, now West Ham. Carlos Soler of Valencia. Bryce Mendes, who maybe not everybody will know inside out, who's a wonderfully talented left-footed player from Celta Vigo. And Rodrigo Moreno, who at one stage was Spain's first-choice centre-forward. And uh, before the last tournament scored against the reigning world champions, Germany, in Germany. And he's a player who's been really a great favourite of Luis Enrique. And I think that everybody who watched Leeds this season would say that particularly in the second half of the term, he came good. And his um, his running, his creation of space, his, his sort of generosity in front of goal became an item. And I think he's pretty popular at Leeds. He's been... All of those have been added to 1,121 players who are Alvaro Fernandez from Huesca, Oscar Mengesa, who made the big breakthrough at Barcelona this season. He's a he's a youth squad uh, player who got brought in by uh, Koeman. Juan Miranda, left full-back, ex-Barcelona, um, currently at Betis. Alejandro Pozo of Eibar. Uh, Mark Cucarella, who everybody will recognise as being a kind of mini-me Carlos Puyol and... We've been talking about on this podcast for, I don't know, since the, what was the forerunner to the U UEFA Youth League? Next Gen by Warburton, yeah. Cucurea was part of that Barcelona side. And Cucurea is now a fixture in the Hitafe side. Martin Zubimendi, who's a very interesting, very talented central midfielder from Real Sociedad. Gonzalo Villar, who's gone under the radar in Spain a little bit because he's playing for uh, Roma, but he's still eligible for the under-21s. He was excellent against Lithuania, scored. Um, Brian Diaz, who's in Serie A as well, at AC Milan, super talented footballer, ex-Real Madrid, ex-Manchester City. Brian Hill, who kind of wears his hair like a mop-top beetle and plays a little bit like George Best. He um, was at Abar, but he's gone back to his parent club, Sevilla. Javi Puado from Espanyol. And Jeremy Pino, who played such a good game against Manchester United in the Europa League and came on against Arsenal um, in London in the semi-final. All of those players, um, the 1,121s and the, the, the senior players, are, are in a bubble on their own, Martin. And, and you talked about how it will affect Spain that they're not doing drills, training drills to say, look, here, here's the offside high line. Um, here's our set play work, attacking and defending. The one thing I would say is that the, the main group and Alba, Jordi Alba did a radio interview about one o'clock in the morning, um, this morning as we were talking. And he talked about, look, all of us are 100% clear on what Luis Enrique wants. And that's true because the majority of the senior squad have played for Luis Enrique over the last year or so. 
And his ideas have never, ever changed. It is press high, win the ball back early, dominate the game, use the ball forward quickly. Not long ball at all, but very direct, very quick. And it's it's aggregate pressing. It's not just a high press. It's pressing in groups all over the pitch. They all know it. Fine tuning. Look, that's gone by the you know it's gone by the board because of people's health and health concerns are are high. There's a big drama about vaccination because the Spain players are not vaccinated. There was a, an argument before this these COVID tests came out that they should be. Typically for this country, which loves an argument, some people were saying no, they can't jump the queue and. Now that two of the poor guys have been sent home um, unwell, although the word seems to be that certainly Busquets is, is if he's not asymptomatic, he's in good shape. Uh, the word is that they must get vaccinated. Initially, the rumour was that it would be the Janssen uh, vaccination, which is a one shot for life and very little side effects. Now it seems to be that it might be Pfizer, two different inoculations. And with the, the possibility that the players do feel pretty grubby, after the first one, the possibility at least. So that's a little bit of a mess to add to the mess. They do, what did you intro this? They do love a they do love a drama. Well, it it continues, but the point I was making is that other bubble, the under twenty ones and the six senior players. Most of them don't really actually know how Luis Enrique likes to play, and they they haven't been drilled in it. So were it the case either that Luis Enrique, and this is not to my knowledge decided yet wants to replace the two missing players, which I think he'll hope not to do with Busquets. I think he'll wait for Busquets, is my opinion. And if medical opinion says, yeah, after 10 days and two, three negatives, he can return, if that's the case, I think that's what Luis Enrique will choose. But if any of those other players need to come into the main squad, let's say there are any more um, positive tests, then they are going to be at a disadvantage. You're right. And I'll sum this whole thing up by saying... Without being a sort of dreamer on a star, um, Martin, I've 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 seen these players as being pretty wrung out. We we've squeezed them out of all they had to give over the eleven game restart last year, and then a compact, hard, tiring season. There will be some players in that squad who are actually getting their bodies and their minds are getting a breather. And that it won't be disastrous that they'll they'll have had approximately a week where they're not doing a bare minimum, but something close to it. And that can lead to a spurt of energy. It can lead to a pushback. Well, I'm ready now. We'll see. But I'd, I'd like to try and view the whole thing as not completely negative. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I wonder if we put the COVID upheaval stuff to the side for the moment and just talk about the preparations in general because I know they, they did manage to squeeze in a friendly before all this hit against Portugal was it last Sunday I think I mean I, I watched extended highlights of the game and I thought they looked as if they played pretty well they certainly created a lot of chances they missed a lot of chances and Maratta in particular I've heard slightly conflicting reports that you know it was felt to be quite uninspiring and the, the crowd weren't happy with the performance but I just wondered how, how what your take on that, that performance was as something to take into the, the start of the, the tournament yeah it, it wasn't bad um, Portugal were out to defend and play on the break it was patently clear that that was a tactic they weren't like Spain weren't so good that Portugal were pegged back and couldn't bust out um, as such Spain were left doing something that I expect them to be asked to do a lot in the group which is open up a, a relatively well banked defensive side um, that it finished nil nil is testimony to the fact that they didn't cut them open, but in terms of chances created, there's no question Spain should have won by two or three. Um, some of the chances uh, missed, including Sarabia putting one really easy one over the bar when the goal was pretty much empty because um, Rui Silva had been cut out of the play. <clears throat> there were... the Morata hit the bar late on in an effort which, had he not been failing in front of goal early on, then... People would say, oh, look, you hit the bar. That was a brilliant effort. And it was a nice little run and chip. It's the it's the type of play that Morata likes best. He likes to be playing on the shoulder of a defensive line, which is reasonably high up. He's got the pace and the power to, to get beyond high defenders, and, and the ball to him was good. The misses that he um, produced were pretty typical of him. He, he is an idiosyncratic footballer. And although he spent his entire life at you know, the elite level between Atleti, Juventus, Real Madrid and Chelsea. And he's had a couple of Champions League finals and he's uh, a winner of the European Championship at youth level. There's no doubt that you get days like that for Alvaro Morata. And again, you shouldn't be in doubt. You point out that the, there's a chant that is usually aimed at referees, which is Arbitro que malo eres, Arbitro que malo eres, Arbitro que... And it became Morata... Que malo eres, Morata que malo eres. How bad you are, how bad you are. Which was um, a rubbish thing for the crowd to start chanting immediately before a, a Eurocopa, as they call it here. For a guy who is Madrid-born, um, who'd played for the club at that stadium, he's actually still owned by Atleti, might be returning to Metropolitano to play if, if Atleti call his loan back in. Some of the misses were really frustrating. And, and Spain played... Decent football. Pedri was given a rest. Aspilicueta was given a rest. Um, so was Gerard Moreno, which was in line with two of them having played in European finals, winning, and Pedri having played 55 games at age 17 and 18. But when two of them came on, Gerard and uh, Pedri, you could see the difference. Pedri immediately uh, instilled order and he gave one beautiful pass that hinted at what 
lies in store over the three group games in that I think, you know, so long as he's not sent off or injured, I think he starts all three. I think he, I certainly think he starts against Sweden. I certainly believe that Gerard Moreno starts against Sweden. And so what, what we're left with was um, no question whatsoever in an attacking sense. Quite promising, Martin, you're right. The other issue beyond Morata, um, the key issue was that they, they began with um, two left-footed centre-backs and one of which was the, the debut of Emeric uh, Laporte, who was born in France but considers himself Basque, has now got Spanish nationality. You published one of the books about, um, several books about Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, and the most recent one uh, by Paul Ballas and, and Lou Martin talked about, even though um, Laporte's dropped slightly out of favour this season, the stage at which Pep Guardiola thought he was one of the best centre-backs in Europe, if not the, the best, he played on the right side of Pau Torres and there was one moment when he didn't trust his right foot. He took a swipe at the ball off his right and because he didn't trust it, he was late. It, it sliced it. It went goalwards, backwards towards his own goal. Didn't go in. Aside from that, his timing, his use to the ball, his his Manchester City-ness <laughs> stood out. And now there's a big question about what does what needs to happen. Should it be because Rodri of Manchester City will play against Sweden at least for Busquets. Do you go for a little triangle of City players where you put Laporte on his natural foot, left centre-back, Eric Garcia, right centre-back, and Rodri in front of them, and look for the the click? That's maybe what you would say. Which, which doesn't it, Martin, answer what you were talking about earlier about how how can you find just just understanding? So... That might happen, but then again, this is why neither you nor I get paid the big bucks that Luis Enrique does. Um, that would put Pau Torres, one of the sp- one of the Spanish players of the season, easily and Europa League winner on the bench because you're playing Laporte at left centre back and Pau Torres sits down. Equally, it was clear that uh, Robert Sanchez of Brighton was somebody that Luis Enrique Martinez wanted to to give a test to, and because of all the changes that were going on during the game. He just didn't quite have that moment. And Unai Simon did his usual of a couple of strange moments where you wouldn't completely trust his housekeeping. But in terms of the use of the ball when you're playing out from the back, he's pretty deft. He's pretty adept. He's a version of Ter Stegen. So I think that we're probably going to see, probably going to see Unai Simon uh, in goals against Sweden, although there was a, ch- there was a chance of it being... Robert Sanchez, that centre-half debate is one that even Luis Enrique can't now sort out, again, your point about he hasn't got time in training in mini-matches just to say, is this is this Robert Sanchez ready? Because I think he thinks he is. And then you've got the last one I'll leave you with, and we'll go into this again closer to the match, don't worry about that. But the last one is, do you say, glass half full, glass half empty, do you say, look at Morata and the number of chances he did create a goal's coming soon, or does Luis Enrique say, well, nah, <laughs> I can't be having a guy like that who's going to fluff big opportunities against Sweden because they're very clever defensively. They love to play in the break. If we get our chances, we must tuck them away. I don't know which he'll choose, but there's a really clear option that you put Gerard as the centre forward, you put Ferran Torres on the left, and you actually use Morata on the right, or vice versa, Gerard on the right, Morata as the nine and Ferran Torres, rather than what would be the natural front three, in, in if you take qualifying, which is Gerard flanked either side by Olmo on the left and Ferran on the right. 
So there are options. And again, let, let, isn't that an optimistic note to finish that section on? It is, absolutely. We want to finish in a moment just by giving a little nod to the opening match, which is tonight, Turkey-Italy. But just before that, like, let's just catch up with your movements, Graham, because you expected to be, well, you are based in Madrid at the moment, but you expected to be nicking in and out of La Rosa's doing lots of fun stuff for the players, and instead you are not doing any of that stuff. Tell us a little bit about what's happening at the moment and when you expect to be down in Seville yeah, nothing changes in terms of at the moment, in terms of travel down to Seville, because at the moment the match goes ahead. Anybody who's sitting there scratching their chin and thinking, will it go ahead? Because Sweden have also had two positive tests, um, which is deeply unfortunate. And there's a bit of a row this morning because their press chief was pictured out sitting on a bench by a, a port with two of the Sweden players, one of which was Alexander Izak, who's perceived to be the number one threat Neither of the three of them wearing masks and the press chief drinking a glass of beer, which is prohibited by by Jan Anderson, the, the the coach. So they've got their own troubles to think about. But the UA, this, the Spain media have been glorying the, the, the UEFA rules, which kind of seem to say that even in the very worst instance, the rules say that if you've got 13 fit players, including a goalkeeper, then you can carry on playing. So it seems Monday looks like game on. Uh, Las Rosas is is an an incognito um i i think spain would like rather than saying right whole media access is going to be done by zoom from now on i think they'd like to feel comfortable in reopening las rosas for occasional press conferences and interviews if they can but that's in the air martin we flip a coin and we just cross our fingers while we're waiting to catch it again it'll be tails by the way um as far as seville is concerned down on sunday ready for the pre-match build-up, have a little look at La Cartuja and the pitch. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully watch Spain training there. And then game on uh, Monday night. So that's the way forward. But when we update again, um, which I think will be me and Neil at the weekend, I'll surely bring you more news. Okay, let's end with our regular player of the day spot, sponsored by Bet365, who would like you to pick someone who you expect to shine. I think it'd probably be good to base this around tonight's opening match, Turkey-Italy. What do you expect from that game, and who do you expect to be the star of the show, Graham? Well, I'm going to say Donnarumma, the 22-year-old Italy goalkeeper. Now, I've got a friend and colleague... Paolo Minicucci, who thinks Italy are, are really good dark horse outsiders to win this tournament. Still pretty youthful, still in a stage of rebuilding, but Roberto Mancini, who we keenly hope to have as a guest in the big interview during the coming season, has done a good job. And the training, excuse me, the qualifying was exceptional. And they're confident, they're quick. The quality of the football when you watch them is high. It, they've become, again, an, a really enjoyable watch. So kudos for that. But equally, on the other side, we've got a friend of this show, Steve Freeth, who's pretty damn sure that Turkey are those dark horses. They are his uh, black beauty in terms of muscles rippling and striding majestically across the plain. So I have it in my mind uh, that this is maybe a 2-2 game. But I have it in my mind that given the power of the Turkish attacking squad, which is Burak Jilmaz, Hakan Chalhanoglu, who obviously has had a decent season in Syria, ah, whether it be Karaman or Tufan, there are a number of them. And, and Turkey are not only a fine side, they're scoring a lot of goals at the minute. And I wonder if Donnarumma can be our man of the day because 
At 22, with 251 senior games in Serie A and in Coppa Italia and in UEFA competition, and I think 26 or 27 internationals. He's a free agent. He's turned down the deal to stay at AC Milan. He's within... So when do the contracts go? 30th. As we speak, on the 11th of June, he's whatever, 19 days from going out of contract. Apparently, he's wanted by Juventus, definitely by Paris Saint-Germain. There was a big rumour that to make money, Barcelona would put Ter Stegen up for sale and try and take Donnarumma on a free. But of course, Ter Stegen is recovering from a knee injury, so I think that plan is kiboshed. But there's a big market for Donnarumma. At 22, he remains something of a phenomenon. He's very good. Slatan isn't going to be at the tournament, but was his teammate AC Milan said, believe me, he's the best goalkeeper in the world. Well, listen, young Donnarumma, go out and prove it tonight. Just to give you a little heads up of our, our, our next episode after this will contain some Zlatan content because joining us tomorrow when we'll be previewing Spain, Sweden in the company of Swedish legend Jockey Bjorklund who will discuss the absence of Zlatan and many other things. That's it for today's show. Thank you very much for your time, Graham Hunter, and thank you to you for listening. Bye for now.